Hey there, this is Widow, and this podcast is for adults only. Hi, and uh, welcome to, Jesus, episode 126 of the podcast. Well, it's that time of year again. Time for me to bug you to support the show. I know, I have to do it. Uh, I, I, I was asking Saad, I said, should I should I do the podcast for another year? What do you think? She goes, fuck yeah, you're going to do the podcast for another year. So that means uh, we need to raise money to uh, keep the show going. You'll notice uh, some improvements over the course of the uh, next couple months. Faster download speeds. Faster, uh, well, you should notice a faster website right now. And uh, yeah, all that stuff takes time and money. Go to Massacast.com, you can... Uh, Click on the donate button and you can watch the progress as we try to hit our goal of six, holy crap, $6,000. That's for a year. Now, if you divide that up by listener, that's, uh, wow, geez, that's, that's like uh, 25 cents a listener or something like that per month. So that's not counting the people who listen halfway through and go, Jesus, this is horrible, and then stop listening. So you have to pay for those people too because that, you know, that takes, costs money too. Uh, so you can uh, you can watch the progress. There's a little progress bar. If you donate, usually within a you know few minutes, you'll see that number update. It's not instantaneous, but you will see it increase. And uh, it, you know it's like uh, the old Jerry Lewis telethon all over again. Except uh, instead of helping sick kids, you're helping a sick pervert. Massacast.com and uh, yeah, click on donate. Now uh, this episode, it's the return of friend of the show, Evermore. Uh, I don't even think I need to say any more about that. She was uh, in New York for uh, for a couple weeks. It was so good seeing her. She was uh, crashing at our place for a little while. And um, she actually uh, sat down and, as usual, had a, a great conversation with her. So here it is, Evermore. Enjoy. One of the things we, we tabled for the last discussion was you were in a relationship. I was. You were. I was in a relationship. It continues to be a friendship. That's good. Yeah, it's it's very exciting. Like I mentioned, there are two sort of parts to this FET scene where I live. Mm-hmm. And I've finally been able to experience this other half of the FET scene. And it's fantastic. It's lovely. The people are exciting. Their skills are admirable. Um, their scenes are engaging and, and it's, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely, um, a scene that I'm very excited to continue to be, to be a part of. You're a boyer too. So that's important. The fact that the other scenes are. Absolutely. If, if I don't have opportunities to sit and watch and experience and, and, uh, empathize then i'm not um, then my body can't open up or won't open up as much as it would otherwise so it's it's really it's really nice to have scenes that i can that i can sit and enjoy so tell us about i want to talk about the boyer part of you a little bit further but um the relationship what what uh i'm curious what that was like for you i mean so I noticed this boy and I overheard him introduce himself to someone else. So I knew his name and he, he was clearly watching, but very me watching me, but very shy. 
And I was there with a couple of friends. I really enjoy going to these parties with a girlfriend and a guy friend of mine. And we three play together and it's lovely. It's really fantastic. Um, I love our chemistry. Our, I love our friendship. It extends way beyond the scene and it's, it's enriching. Um, he noticed this chemistry and was very attracted and um, asked me very sweetly and very politely, nothing like the, <laughs> the creepy foot fetishists that prowl around <laughs> the New York City scene that wait for their opportunity to ask if they can have access to your feet like the other hundreds that they've asked to have access to perhaps in the evening. <laughs> really? You know... Those people. <laughs> he sweetly asked you what? If I would beat him. Oh, okay. I thought he was going to ask you about the feet. Like, he did it. He, no, no. How he, did, how did he, so this is a pro tip he, for those people. How did he do it? <laughs> it was, like I've said before, there was a level of sincerity that is absent in those other invitations. It was completely naked. He was completely naked emotionally and his humility was present as well. And he asked, he said, um, I've, I noticed you playing with your friends and, uh, I wonder, uh, if you'd be interested in, um, beating me. And I said, I think I would. <laughs> He said, my name is, right. and then I interrupted and ah. told him what his name right. was. So he was like, and, oh, right. he your was, reputation precedes you. <laughs> he was surprised. And he said, how did you know that? I'm an eavesdropper. <laughs> I work for the NSA. <laughs> I have your FBI file. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just said you overheard it from someone else, right? Or right. I said, I overheard you introducing yourself to someone else. I had already noticed you. So... Um, I said, what does it mean to you to be beaten? He said, well, I've never lost myself and I really, really want to be broken. I said, have you ever been broken before? He says, never. I've never experienced pain in the way that I'm inviting you to, to share with me. He I was said, inviting you. I'm, don't, I'm sorry to interrupt, but. I want to make sure I understand it. He was inviting you to beat him there, right there and there. Right then and there. And for those people who don't know, what do you think broken means? Or, or what did he mean by broken? Or um, He wanted to cry. He wanted to ask to end it. He wanted to see how far he could go before he asked to end it. He wanted to see how much he could take. And although he wasn't totally able to articulate all of those things, I knew what he meant and I knew that it was going to be important to take it slow, mm -hmm. check in often. But checking in is challenging when you're trying to create a moment, um, uh, a, a, a mysterious moment or... Um, uh, an otherworldly moment. You, it's important for me to to keep my hold of reality, but um, create an environment for the other person where they can be lost in another world. But I, I'd still be able to tap into where exactly they are in reality if they're lost in another world. 
Someone once described checking in while they said it was important to do. It was sort of akin to you're watching uh, a symphony and all this, and they stop halfway through and go, how are we doing? Are we doing okay? Right. right. It's an interruption. And I, I didn't want to do that because that's not going to facilitate a broken person. That's going to keep them present. It's not going to allow them to let go. And part of being, part of letting go and part of being broken means that, um, that reality needs to be absent. This is something that if someone were to say to me, Hey, I'm new to the scene. Should I, I would say, make sure you know the person very well first. However, with you, you're a very experienced player. And so, well, I asked him why me, I said, okay, so you're pretty sure that you want to interact with me. Why are you, you're smiling. I imagine him saying, cause you got great tits. <laughs> And he said, well, there were other women there. Um, and at, at this particular party, there were plenty of other attractive women there. <laughs> and, um, and he said, well, I, I watched you. His pause said more than his words did. I watched you mm -hmm. playing with your friends and I could see your attention to the moment. And I believe that you would be someone that could bring me to the place where I want to go. So you're already like, all right, let's get it on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can tell just, if someone talks to you that in that manner, that's how you express yourself too. But also if someone expresses themselves in that manner, you're pretty much, I mean, that's, that's the, you could, you've got a receipt for the bill of sale right there for you, right? It was full of sincerity and, and, and I'm a sucker for sincerity. <laughs> I, I'm going to say that's, I mean, that's, that's a good thing to be a sucker for, I guess. If it's not a... So, um, at this particular party, they're uh, they're very organized. There are a limited amount of play spaces. They've sort of predetermined what a play space is going to be for, and um, and set up uh, schedules. You know, set up clipboards that you could sign up for a time to a time. And so we looked for our spot, and we found our spot, and that created some lovely tension. And uh, because Wait, hold we on. Had... don't just breeze over that. What is Creating lovely tension mean? We we had an hour to wait before we could play. And what do you do in this hour? How much do you say in this hour? There's so much mystery. Just from the invitation to the moment, it was important to me to maintain mystery because I had a feeling that would make things more exciting for him. I didn't want to say too much about my world or who I was or how I was. I didn't want to know too much about him, only what I felt I needed to know to make sure that we would have, um, make sure that I could map, uh, a really exciting experience for the both of us. Um, I found out how long he'd been in the scene, what his preferences were. Um, um, and this is when I, was first uh, 
this is when he introduced himself as a crossdresser, and um, but there was something that he wasn't saying. He, so he mentions that he's a crossdresser, but there was definitely something more, uh, something that he was very comfortable with, but was waiting for the right moment for. And I only know that in retrospect. Um, but it, that still was apparent to me in, in, in some sense uh, in that moment. And so there was, there was mystery all around. There was definitely more to him than what he was willing to reveal and more to me than what I was willing to reveal in that moment. And we waited for our hour and we took some time apart. I'm, I am imagining, I would love to hear what he has to say about this, but I'm imagining he prepared himself for the moment emotionally and mentally, or I can only imagine what that hour was like for him because he told me this was the first time he had ever uh, asked mm -hmm. to experience anything like this and would be the first time he'd ever experienced anything like this. So the time came and, um, we had a, uh, suspension cross to work on and, um, it was sort of a limited space for me because I was swinging uh, percussion instruments. And so I needed some, I needed some room, but, um, and so there was a, a, a distance, like he was within the window of this cross and it, it forced a distance between me and him that I wasn't totally comfortable with, but it was the only space for us. But, um, but I made it work and I took a few strikes and I touched him felt his temperature, felt his respiration rate, watched his eyes, watched his body language. It, he was responding positively. What I does that mean you, when you say responding? Um, he was becoming flushed. Um, he wasn't wincing. Um, wincing is a bad thing for you? Uh, it depends on the quality of the winds. There are some winces that have pleasure in them and some winces that are, that express something that's, um, intolerable. Right. Um, and the quality of his were, uh, gentle and warm and, um, receptive. Um, he... He, he was getting warmer. He was leaning into the strikes. He was moving through the strikes. He wasn't pulling away from the strikes. I struck him again and again and again. Uh, and he responded similarly. He kept getting warmer and warmer. He began to sweat. Um, but he wasn't, still wasn't pulling away. And Within 20 minutes of the scene, I was starting to strike pretty hard. Every time I'd go maybe five to 10 strikes and touch him. I had to touch him, not just with my hand, but with my body. I, because of the uh, landscape of the, uh, of the area that we were in, like I said, I was a bit farther away from him than I wanted to be. So after several strikes, I would, I would lay my body against him 
and feel him. I needed him to make sure I needed him to know that I was, I was right there and wanted to be close. And I wanted him to know that I was entirely physically present. And so I wanted to touch him with my entire body. I would wrap my legs around his ankles. I wrapped my arms around his body. I leaned my head into his neck, into his face. I touched his face with my hands, wrapped them around his head, the top of his head, between every series of strikes. And no matter what language he used, I would also have the, no matter what verbal language he used, I would also have the language of his body that I could sense with every inch of my own. I could tell if he meant, or I could tell that even if he said he wanted more, was his body ready for more? He began to shake. It was gorgeous. He was having this incredibly intense physical reaction, and I knew it was very short time. Once he began to shake, we had a very, very limited period of time that we would be able to play, that it would remain comfortable for him. And there's definitely a line. Um, even though your partner says they want to be broken, how their body is responding before that point is is so important to attend to because their eyes might be big, bigger than their brain. You know, just it's like, are we really hungry or, you know, how much is your stomach going to be able to take? Um, and his body was telling me that he was closer than he was saying that he actually was. And so that was when I knew this is the moment where we go as hard as he can take. And I had a sense of that. Um, and it would be maybe three to five strikes. And I would tell him how many we had so that he could mentally prepare himself for the end. It went beautifully. And by the end, he was he was shaking uncontrollably and barely able to keep himself upright. And it was so beautiful. He was in this incredible dizzied space of bliss and endorphins and sweat and fear and pleasure and pain and... I let his wrists go. I put a seat right beneath him so he wouldn't have to walk anywhere. And we sat and we held each other for close to 10 minutes. And he shook that whole time. So did he, did he end it or did you were like, okay, I knew. I knew. Okay. I knew I, it was, it was going to be too much. Once he started shaking, now is the time it's now or never. And I had a very, very short window. I chose, I chose three to five strikes, very serious strikes. This is where, like, in that, when you're describing it, I'm, I'm, I imagine myself as, like, your Jiminy Cricket saying, like, you don't know, you don't know if he can call stop on this. <laughs> you know, you don't know if he could, but you just, you just, you could tell it was the end there. You were, I mean, yeah. Well, his, his, his physical response was already very intense. Mm. And um, he hadn't gotten to where he stated his goal was and the window for us to be able to reach that goal was now very short oh, okay. and and i knew that 
and he, we healed together. Um, or at least we, we recovered from the, uh, the, 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 the nervous response, his shaking. And, um, it took about 10 minutes. Then we were able to have a walk and sit again and have some water. And, um, I let him process what was happening. He would speak moments to me and not understand exactly what he felt yet, but he was able to express that and express that he couldn't wait to think about this more and understand better what happened. And this was such an an amazing and beautiful experience. And I, I felt exactly the same way. I love, I love introducing people to new experiences. It was one of the things that I enjoyed most when I was working um, it, it was, it, it was my favorite new people, new experiences, new introductions, gentle introductions, intuitive introductions. Um, and, and it, and it was beautiful. We've been very, very deep friends since, and we had a short relationship. So I want to, uh, before we continue with the relationship, I, I have a question. There is a Maybe it depends on the guy or girl or whatever. Um, I remember I I didn't have a lot of experiences just doing like pickup play, you know, at a, at a, a, but one of the reasons why is because I was told by a few people, maybe you were there when someone told me this, that they were interested in playing with me, but they were worried I was going to go all doe-eyed and, you know, after the scene, I'd be like, marry me you know I, that i was going to be just so totally enthralled by them that i wouldn't be able to just have a casual play scene that i would be just totally like you know enamored mm-hmm. um so whenever i did when after i heard this i i made sure that in the rare times that i wouldn't have like a, a little scene that right after the scene i would act like nothing happened. I'd be like, that was really fun. Thank you very much. You know, even if I was totally like inside going, Oh my God, you know, I'd be, but it sounds like he balanced it in a certain way. Either he was like, he maybe, was he acting in that or was he like, Hey, that was pretty cool. Chill, man. Or what was he? (laughs) He, he was sincerely grateful. He wasn't doe eyed, but he was sincerely grateful. And, um, and 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 in a very introspective place and now that we're friends and we've had more time together i realized this is just how he is he's he's an incredibly introspective person he lives within himself more often than not and uh i don't believe he needs anyone and i think the doe-eyed i wonder if the doe-eyed response is a i wonder if the doe-eyed response communicates a need yeah a, a demand for attention um a desperation for reciprocation maybe desperation is a strong word no i think well, at least, at least when I was in that spot, I think it was definitely, yeah. 
I think a lot of men, particularly um, the ones that are very active in the FET scene here, are they they just go through woman and woman and woman and woman and they're looking for the one. And if they have this sublime experience with a person, a woman, they really want that person to be the one. And, and so they have these intense responses after these really positive scenes that create that kind of desperation. And honestly, I've also experienced women who have reciprocated and then the fantasy's over, you know, she's been gotten or she's receptive and that's not a part of their fantasy. They're in this, you know, I've, I've, I've just, maybe it's a little jaded, but they're in this space where they cannot win and nor can she, even if she, even if she does respond with her whole body and whole mind, it's not what they've been fantasizing about from the other side of their computer screen. That's, it's just not what they've connected their libido to. And so now it's no good. Yeah. You know, but still they have this intense physical response to really beautiful moments and, and they want to just latch on whether or not it works out is, you know, I'm sure different for everyone, but he didn't have that. Um, he had self-possession he had introspection, he had independence, and um, and he had a very strong gratitude. Who initiated the relationship aspect? Was we, uh, or, or just like, hey, I want to hang out with you more, was it? He did. He did? He invited me out. I was receptive from the beginning. He asked on that night if he could call me, and I said, of course you can. And he invited me out, and I said that would be fantastic. I'd this is love good, that. Because normally when you say, of course you can, you give him a fake number. <laughs> yes, my number is one nine hundred mix a lot. <laughs> I never, I'd never do that. I know. So you went out and, and well, how, we had sushi. We talked about ourselves. We talked a little bit about our experiences in the FET scene. That actually was pretty peripheral in our conversation. I really wanted for us to get to know each other outside of the FET scene because I'm this world is a unique opportunity for me. This is a unique expression of my sexuality and my sensuality. It's not my identity. And I, I cannot relate long-term to people who subscribe to this world as their identities. It's very difficult for me to, it's hard for me to understand it. And, um, and it's, I just, I just can't imagine it in my own world. I, I am fascinated and deeply admire the worlds that some people have created for themselves that revolve around this identity. It's not who I am. Well, I want to talk about that more, but let's talk about the relationship. So you, you started hanging out and you're like, this is good shit. Yeah. And, uh, was there anything in particular that you explored that you hadn't explored with someone before or he invited me to his house. I accepted. 
he invited me to see his closet and I accepted. He has... Would you like to see my closet? That's right. <laughs> and I knew that this was going to be special. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there were two tiers. There was like the closet and then there was the exo closet. <laughs> <laughs> Is this where you found the mystery? <laughs> yes. I walk into his closet and it's fascinating enough. He has really cool uniforms and I love uniforms and, um, and I love his style. And so it was really, and, and I'm always interested to see how organized people are, how clean they are, you know, how they keep themselves. Um, and then I saw another door and I said, well, that's your closet too. What's in there? He said, well, um, I'll, sh I'll show you. And he was a little bit nervous and I opened the door and it was shelf upon shelf upon rack upon rack of. I'm leaning in and I spandex. Oh, okay. I'm okay. N you're not getting it. This is a true fetishist. You do not have an opportunity. There are not many opportunities to meet true fetishists, particularly not in small communities. There are not many opportunities. There are people who say they're fetishists who just enjoy, mm -hmm. you know, oh, I've got a fetish for this. No, you just like it a lot. You know, you're not a fetishist. That's not what a fetishist is. Yeah, I really, really like this. I, I want to do it, you know, all the time. It's, it's totally my fetish. I've got a total fetish for it. No, you just really, really like it. This closet was a window into this man's fetish. Unlike anything I've ever experienced. I've met rubber fetishists here in the New York city scene. I've met balloon fetishists here in the New York city scene, very trampling Hold fetishes. Trampling fetishists, smoking fetishists, but there's one world that they, there's a, there's a, it, these, and they're mostly men, these men or mostly men, people find sort of construct these environments in which they can experience their fetish that is outside of their, their everyday life. Something that, um, other people in their world wouldn't accidentally encounter, but this man had his world inside his world and whether he invited people into his world where there are, you know, women's shoes by the door that happen to fit his feet that some people might wonder about or question a sewing machine is in his corner with, you know, all kinds of different materials that he absolutely loves and an entire closet of women's clothes and men's clothes that are all spandex. 
I imagine you are like, yes. <laughs> not because you have a spandex fetish, but because you, and I, don't, and I do not mean this. How do I phrase this without making it sound like you're a horrible person? I wanted to say, originally I was say you had something of, of someone that you could exploit. But, <laughs> but I don't mean exploit. I mean, you, you, you had a key for, to someone. He had given me a gift yeah. by showing me his closet. He had given me a window into him, his psyche, his world, his true self, the self that he would be true to and clearly was true to and would only invite certain people in, even if it's into his greater house that isn't as full of the items that he prefers. Um, but it was, it, it was beautiful. I was at once deeply grateful for what he had just given me. I, I fully recognized the risk that he had taken in showing me this part of himself and also very turned on, very turned on. I touched and explored and admired and tried on and it was so exciting. I took off all my clothes and put on his dresses. And So you're turned on. Is this like part of the voyeur pro side of you? Because you knew that this was something that someone just, on a scale of 1 to 10, was 5,000 for them. <laughs> because of that, you were just, because I've seen you like in that mode when you're with someone who has a very specific kink or a very specific fetish or in something they really enjoy. It may not be your thing, but you are just like, oh, you're just like fascinated. And you kind of take that on as not as your own, but I love riding their wave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. Their passion, their in, these things that they're intensely passionate about, that he's intensely passionate about, passionate about. He's he's giving to me as a gift, and and what am I going to do with that? I I can do nothing other than enjoy it, and and I'm and I'm so grateful for it, and so. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm so fascinated by what he has and and I'm also seeing visions of how we can um how we can augment and um and and add to his collection. He had a lot of very modern spandex and I'm thinking where are the 80s in this <laughs> In this collection, where are the '90s leotards, the '80s spandex, the '70s? So, hold on, Mike. Now, I, you would think someone who is a fetishist for some, they, they would have their exact, they would have the exact things that they desire in there, right? And then you, I'll give you an example. Let's say if someone is a huge Van Halen fan, huge Van Halen fan, but they're they're very specific. Is David Lee Roth, oh. the David Lee Roth years. And then you come in there and like, oh, this is amazing. Like, yes, finally someone who enjoys it. And, you, and, they're, and, they're, and they're like, but where's the red rocker? You got to get the red rocker in here. <laughs> no. And I... you're like, no. <laughs> where's Farm Off of Carnal Knowledge? No, that's not the point. I didn't say that. I just got excited about oh. all the opportunities we had oh, okay. to explore together. I felt like I had things to introduce to him. Oh, okay. Because clearly... His collection was frozen at the time when he was most excited, which was when he, when I, I asked him in that moment, when did this start? And he said, I remember when I was a boy and I would wear my sister's bathing suits. 
I remember when I was a boy and I would wear my mother's underwear. And that was where his entire collection was arrested. Mm -hmm. And it was clearly where his orgasm lived. And it was, it was, it was just beautiful. It was so beautiful. This incredibly vulnerable place, this second closet, this exo closet that he had given me a window into. It was, it was just such a gift. So I'm curious now, like, so when you, did you introduce other did you introduce like we've been shopping and does it have, is it the same reaction? He, uh, I love going shopping with him. I, I find things that I know he'll enjoy that are outside his window. Like every fetishist dream. <laughs> you're like, you're waiting right now. There's a guy or a girl, someone who's a fetishist. And they're like, I wonder if I should tell my partner. And they're like, maybe they'll react like Evermore did. <laughs> no, no, they, I guarantee they won't. They might be very positive. But they won't be this. Nobody's this positive. This is like <laughs> everyone's dream. Who's a fetishist? Go on. There sorry. was a day that we went shopping at one of the local thrift stores, and he hit the fucking jackpot in ice skating leotards. <laughs> like I'm jealous of what he discovered because they were all vintage. All of them were in a 70s, 80s aesthetic, and they were all just these lacy you know, nude paneled skating, uh, costumes with the, with the tiny skirts or the, the ruffles coming off of the hips and just beautiful, 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 beautiful. So jealous that I didn't find them first. Cause I definitely want a couple of them. That reminds me, I need to email Lacey nude panel back for her. Interview. <laughs> Let me see about interview. Okay. But we've skipped over a part. Oh, uh-oh. Well, yeah. This is very important. Okay. I was so excited when I got into his closet. And he explained to me where this was from and what it's become. And now what he's interested in, which is making his own clothes. And, and the gift just... The, the reverence, the sacredness of the gift that he had given me, I started tearing down all of the clothes and tearing out all of the clothes from his shelves and his racks, spread them all over the floor. We fucked. <laughs> well, when you were like tearing them, I'm like, no, you're, no, don't do that. That's organized in a very specific. We, I, I already had on one of his dresses and we fucked on a bed of spandex. It was incredible. And he said, you're the greatest woman alive. <laughs> Actually, we fucked twice. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it was so wonderful. That's great. It was so beautiful. That's really, for, I mean, we should probably, maybe I should say that this Hopefully, you're going to play this for him before it airs, so it's okay that it's out there. No? Sure. I mean, I'd feel better. Okay. So that those people who are listening now, they're not like, oh, my God, if someone knows this person. You know, so they, I mean. Sure. Does this person know about the mess cast? I, I think I've played some things for him, okay. yeah. And he stayed awake? During them? <laughs> like, oh, God, no, no. I had to nudge him a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. This is a good part. The good part of this episode is coming up. <laughs> Listen, uh, all right, now you can go back to sleep. That was it. All right, gonna go back to bed now? 
<laughs> but and that's so that's so great. That's so great that you yeah. experienced that. Yeah. And um, and this is one of those things that just kind of ran its course. And now you're great friends. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I thought might be a possibility, but was open to other opportunities or, or other realities was that as a lot of fetishists are, they're already married to their fetish. Mm. Partnership is something very different for them. They already have their partner and, um, and this isn't everyone. This is, I know this is different for everyone, but I was concerned that that might be an element in the relationship. And it, it is, he's married to his fetish. And although he desires and, um, uh, and deeply enjoys partnership, I believe that his first choice is his fetish. And you're saying that though, in a way that's, it's, it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. Of course. No, there's nothing wrong with no. that. Um, but I want to be a first choice mm -hmm. and that's just not something I'm willing to compromise. Have you tried not being such an asshole? That might <laughs> no, help. I haven't tried that. I haven't tried that. <laughs> but, uh, the fact that you're still friends says that, says that, I mean, there was obviously, there was a, some sort of communication in a, in, in a way that the, everything's still, I mean, you're still talking to him. He's still talking to you. That's Absolutely. A, that's a yeah. best case scenario. He doesn't know that that is how I feel. Um, well, he does now. Hmm. I didn't tell him that that's how I feel because, um, there were also other things that were that were more pressing in the moment that was going to prevent us from being able to engage. He, he also wasn't my first priority. Mm. I, ha I had other things to deal with. Uh, our first moments were beautiful and, yeah. and, and a lot of our moments were very similar and it was, uh, it, every one of our encounters have been positive. That's great. Every single one of them. And now I'm, I'm very, very excited to see what happens with our friendship. That's awesome. Yeah. You, but you said, uh, when you were playing in that first time, you said that you, you felt it very important to touch. Now, maybe it's just because, I mean, you obviously read the scene, but I, I've always felt that if there's, if I'm like close to breaking and someone t touches me at that point, sometimes that kind of resets me and kind of pulls me back to reality or whatever, but I might be close to breaking, but because of the touch, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, you know, yeah. that the touch brings me back to reality and kind of calms me down a little bit. Was it because you just could not not touch or was it because you wanted to settle things a little bit or, or you didn't know him enough to really push it the way you would normally or, I think all of the above and on a selfish level, I needed to touch him. Mm -hmm. I needed that realm of communication. What I can see and what I could read through my sense of sight is just a fraction of all of my senses. And I, I needed to be close. But I think that's the difference between, um, 
service topping and being actually in it. Wouldn't you say? What do you mean? Well, if you were being a service top, meaning you were just like, I'm going to give this person this experience as opposed to we're having an experience together. I'm going to get what I want. He's going to get what he wants. You know what I, you know what I mean? Mm. Whereas, of course, it, it, some people who service top, they're just, it's not really their thing, but they're doing it and they still enjoy giving the person the experience. But that's, their goal is not, there's very little selfishness in there. Am I making sense? Yeah. And also selfishly on my part, I love being sensual mm-hmm. in in all of my interactions. If I'm not sensual, I feel disconnected. Mm-hmm. And that connection um, creates an atmosphere of not only sensuality, but really deep intimacy it's a we're becoming familiar with each other on many sensory levels and without that sensual that outreach for sensual experience um i feel uh like it's i feel like it's a superficial scene your question is how did i know he would be able to end it well how, yeah, how did you know, okay, he's not going to be able to end it or he is in a place to end or... I knew he wouldn't be able to end it because yeah. he'd never experienced it before. But he wanted to... One of the things he said was, I want to be... I want to end it. I want to get to a point where I can... Where I break and where I have to, where I have to end it. But he doesn't know what that looks like. Yeah. He had never experienced what that looks like before. I've seen people experience it before and I've brought them to that point. It's different for everyone, but there are similarities between each. I knew more than he did and I knew he wouldn't be able to end it. This is your wife saying, honey. <laughs> I knew that I, that I could help him explore what it meant for him to experience what he wanted to experience. And it was still a give and take. He was responding and his responses were a form of communication to me. And through those gestures, body movements, sounds, how the, the quality of his sweat was his skin cold, but he was wet, was his skin warm, but he was... What did his body feel like? How did he respire? What was his pulse like? Um, and what was the pallor of his skin? All of that told me more than he could have ever told me before the, before the scene. I guess it's, a, this, this is a, it's just a question where I'm like, as someone who's never talked before, I, I just don't know the language that tops speak. I just don't know that. Like, I don't know how they come. So that was all of the dominance and tops and people are, who are experienced players. Are like you just know, you just know, and you just roll with it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess one of those things I just, it's a different language for me. Um, you said something else too. You said um, that this is not your identity. No. But I mean, you're a kinky person. But but that so when you say it's not your identity, is that that mean it's something? It's is it like it's something you really enjoy, but you don't need it, or what I mean by this is not my identity is this I I don't only hang out with kinky people yeah. or majority hang out with kinky people. This isn't what drives my social life. I don't plan every weekend around kinky experiences. Um, I don't have you know, a room full of kinky implements. I, 
and even when I play anyway, I need it. I really love it to be just organic, you know, whatever is there in the moment. I, I hate how negotiations happen and how sort of contrived things can become organically is just so beautiful. It creates these magical, spiritual, sensual, sacred moments of experience that will never be the same with anyone else. You can be sure that that will never be the same with anyone else. And that's beautiful. That's important to me. But what you were asking was, what did I mean by identity? I, I, I see people that live their entire lives around the FET scene and around their fetish and around their preferences and you know, they're, they're always communicating in the FET world. And even if it's after their nine to fives, the majority of their communications are within the FET world. Think about, uh, think about their, um, what's going to enhance their FET experiences and always in pursuit of, of, of a FET life. And, um, that's that's just not who or, or how I am. Fet life is copywritten. <laughs> I no, but no. I, I understand. You're, you've got you've got a very balanced life. I believe I have a fairly balanced life. Someone might say, "Well, you've got a freaking kicky podcast." It's, you know, we don't. Clearly, you don't put too much time or attention into this. Because of the quality of the podcast, <laughs> is what you're saying. That's right. Clearly, if anyone listens to it, knows. <laughs> It's all half-assed. Your kinky life is a half quarter ass. Uh, but no, I know what you're saying. But I, I'm, there are times that I'm jealous of those people who do, who can throw themselves into it so much. Because, I mean, if I didn't work as much as I had to, I could totally spend more time going to events and going to, you know, I, I could. But more time for you would mean like two weekends out of the month instead of one weekend out of two months. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know you experience a lot of things at home in your private world, but in your public world, I know that it's not really that frequent for you. And but your time is so thin, your time is so full that it's it's just not available for you. But even then, like when there have been times when there's been a we've had a free night, and like well we could go to a kink event, and we're like mm, yeah maybe mm, maybe because the kink events in New York is kind of like waxing and like i said it's changed yeah so no but i'm jealous i have friends who are like always out there they're always doing something so jealous of those people because they, they can you know um it would be fun is what i'm saying yeah, yeah. um i'm and, not jealous of that lifestyle i'm really not there's right. not enough time in the day and lives are so short there are so many beautiful things in the world to experience that do not revolve around my cock <laughs> or your cock. <laughs> well, that's not true. For, yeah, it's not true at all. Like, you know, yeah. it's, there's, there are more things in the world. It, it started so beautifully. Like, there's more things and beauty in the world. More than just revolves around your cock. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Sounds like W.H. Odin for a second there. Uh, oh, balls. I just had... I just had it. I didn't even have to. Oh, oh, yes. I'm curious about. There are many things that are so very different based on location, accents, 
style, so many different things. I'm curious if you notice body hair. Body hair. I'm curious <laughs> about play style. Have, did you notice? Is there something so dramatic? Like, like when people see you play, are they? Are they? Is it, is it like they're hearing someone with an English accent for the first time, or or, or Australian? You know what I'm saying? Is your play style where people ever going like, whoa? Or was everyone just like, yeah, well, that's how we do it everywhere? They're closer to, yeah, that's how we do it everywhere, except it's more like this is how it's supposed to be done. And it's something that they learned through uh, workshops in other parts of the country mm-hmm. they've, that they've brought back to our part of the country and now they've it's 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 like they've been indoctrinated in these other styles and going beyond the boundaries of those styles is like edge play you know but and and they come with all these rules and standards and one of the things that isn't bad at all but is a little bit distracting um, people who are more experienced in play, whether or not it's, you know, mild and introductory or heavy and edge or what, whatever it may be, um, we don't need to talk as much about safety. We don't need to talk as much about safe, sane and consensual, but in, in the community, that is very much a part of most conversations this is what I learned about what is safe about this. And so this is how we have to do it. And don't try this unless you've been trained by this person to how to, to in, by, you know, as to how to do this safely. And I'm like, really? Okay. Um, that's really exciting that you're trying new things, you know? <laughs> that's so condescending. Isn't it? That's so nice for you. It's hard to not be. I know it sounds terrible, but it's really hard to not be. It's like they put up these these barriers of safety and not that I don't observe what is safe in a scene. Clearly, it's important to me to keep my partner safe, but why do we need to talk so much about it? Like I've already I I know <laughs> I know what our boundaries are. Can, can we do this organically, please? Because you're really killing the fucking mood. <laughs> I just imagine, I imagine you like you're, you're you've got like a like a catcher's mitt on, and you're like, of course I'm going to use lube. You don't have to. I'm going to shove up your ass, but we don't have to talk about me lubing up the catcher's mitt. Of course it's going to be lubed up. Just shut the fuck up and take the catcher's mitt up your ass. Right. <laughs> But actually, it's it's actually very condescending coming in my direction. There are a lot of assumptions made because I'm relatively new to the scene. There are a lot of assumptions made about my inexperience until they see me do something. And since I've been uh-huh. more active, they're like, oh, okay. But there have been a lot of assumptions made about what I do and don't know <laughs> and what I need to be told. Especially in a smaller scene, though, you can understand that they're concerned about an outsider coming from yeah I you know it. and that's good but but now you've got cred you've got street cred now right <laughs> so you can come in there what you should have done is you should have just showed up with like the most extreme thing you have and just go i'm from new york fucking city bitches 
Now, loom up that bulldozer. I'm going to drive it up your ass. <laughs> oh, it's it's been really nice, though. Things have I'm really I'm really glad at how things have have uh, how how the FET world is settled into how my world and the FET world have begun to merge in in my new home. Do you just not have time to say ish? What the fuck are you talking about? You just don't have time. to. You have to say fat. You can't say ish. I don't have time to say ish. Oh, Jesus It's like people say totes. What? Totes instead of totally. Ew. Hey, that's (laughs) what I said when you said fat. You don't have time to say ish. Because, because the, I choose it. I choose it. But saying the fat sort of um, truncating it gives it more more I don't know opportunity to spread across other parts you're of the world except for just, fetish. You're saying king. I see what you're. Yeah, I see what you did there. I totes see what you did there. Oh, that's disgusting. Shut up. <laughs> Alec will say it just to, because she knows she knows it's like suburban or I don't know whatever. It's really annoying. It is. I, I had to find out the highway. What about cray cray? There was. Have oh, you heard hey, cray, cray, cray cray? Uh, you're a voyeur. <laughs> Do you get off watching porn? Um, not much. No. It's... Is it because it's not real? It's not. In front, I mean, um, it's 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 purely practical. I I the only whenever I watch porn, it's just to get off, and and it doesn't usually take long. Yeah. It's you know. No one likes a braggart. <laughs> Women saying that, it's like, oh, hot. But guys saying, like, trust me, I'm like. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's creepy and weird. <laughs> I want to know he's stroking for a long time. No, you want to know he's fucking for a long yeah, time. I, I don't want it to. <laughs> no, I do not want it to take forever for him to get off. Uh-uh. No. Mm. <laughs> Wait, so. Oh, okay. But when you're watching. Wait, por- what was that? No, I was just, I was like, uh, you mean, when you mean when he's yoking his yak, you don't, you want to know he, it's not taking him a long time. Why did you make that face when I said that? You were like, eh. No, because I, I miss, I misunderstood. I misunderstood what you meant at first. Mm. But when you're watching voyeur porn, what is your, do you like, is your, so is your thing like amateur porn? Is that you like? I'm not going to tell you what I watch. Wow. Is it really bad? <laughs> is it illegal? It's very personal. Oh, well. All right. <laughs> you mentioned this couple you sometimes play with. Are you mostly topping in these situations? Are you yes. switching? Are you switching a lot? Or are you mostly topping lately? Um, I I usually find service tops to experience what I need to experience with when it comes to masochistic uh, scenes or tops that are hot. Uh, highly experienced in what they do and I know can um, guide and I, and I trust can guide me through a space and place that they'll be able to sense um, I'm open to exploring um, but I, I started with service tops because that's what I can find where I am mm-hmm. I haven't found anyone yet that I feel can guide me um, I'm, you know, I, I set some boundaries for the tops that I play with now. Um, but, uh, and I haven't said, Hey, are you a service top? Or I'm going to tell you what to do to me. Um, it just happens to have come. It, 
it, it just happens to be that way. Uh, this is a, a great thing to talk about because there are a lot of people out there who don't know how to set boundaries, especially people who are asking to be topped. And there's a lot of people who feel pressure in the scene for whatever, because the top has ulterior motives or whatever. How do you set boundaries for people? How do you? Well, just the same way that, you know, with every person that I play with, the play that we have depends entirely on what we're both interested in or my interest in their interests or vice versa. Um, but the same thing happens in these situations. Um, my experience now is there are, but because the environment of the scene where I am now is so careful and cautious with technique and safety, there isn't a lot of intimacy involved. And that's that's really practical for me. I want to experience this. I don't necessarily want to be intimate with you. I just want to feel what I want to feel. You want to experience this, uh, these, oh, and explore these techniques further, deeper for you. This is practice for you, you know, and so this is, this is what we'll do. And it's, it's been pretty disconnected. I haven't had a lot of um, intimate moments um, as a receiver. And so in, in that way, um, that's entirely determined by the sort of uh, psychological and experiential environment of the place. A lot of people are much more interested in safety and technique than they are in exploring and pushing the boundaries. Well, I guess in, in that space, that's a, in the space that you're in, that's a, a, because it's really hard. I've talked to female submissives who said it's really hard, or not just submissives, but people who want to bottom for something, to tell a guy, or a girl, but tell a guy, look, I have no, how to nicely say, I have no interest in your cock. Because there's some guys who, when they hear play, they think, it's going to end with me. Getting my dick wet, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and especially if you want to be, if you like the person, but you just don't want them to know, if you don't want to tell them that you have no interest in their junk, you know, that's kind of a difficult, a hard thing to do. I don't know what that's like. I'm not a submissive, and well, no, but even as a bottom, just even telling someone, or even as a someone who's going to be on the receiving end of something like that. I think the way I say it, um it's very clear that I, what exactly I'm interested in. And it eliminates all the other things. Cause you started by saying, listen, you troll. <laughs> well, you know, it's, <laughs> these, <laughs> it's, it's an invitation to do a specific thing. Okay. And, um, you know, for example, um, I, I'd really love for you to pierce me. Would you like to have a piercing scene? Sure. What are you interested in exploring? What gauge, mm -hmm. you know, can I make something? Do you just want sensation? You know, well, I really want for both of us to enjoy this. Um, I want to reach a certain level of endorphins and, you know, and, and I'll let you know how I feel if and when you feel it's right to check mm -hmm. in. Um, and even if they don't 
necessarily remember to check in because perhaps they're not as experienced or if experienced enough to know when the time is to check in. Um, I'll, I'll let them know it's no, I haven't lost myself since I've been there in, in that scene. Um, on the receiving end, have you lost, it sounds like you've lost yourself from the top. Absolutely. In in a sense. I mean, I've, I've been intimate in interactions Mm -hmm. and scenes with people, but as a top, you can't really lose yourself. It's, I don't know that it's part of the top gene, you know, (laughs) like you have to be present and involved. It's your responsibility to do that. But fully, ex- it, it doesn't prevent you from fully experiencing the moment and also riding this beautiful wave with this person. But from the bottom, I haven't had a, I, it's, it's been several years since I've had a, a lost moment from the bottom. Well, here's fingers crossed. Well, yeah, if I meet the right person but you know the environment it's like an ecosystem i don't know if it'll support that kind of i don't know if this of the the ecosystem of where i am can support that kind of interaction right now just give it time or there's always craigslist it'll be years could be but you can always come back to new york yeah uh i don't think i have one more question go this is gonna be very because we've had some pretty deep thoughts that came out of your head and I tolerated them very well. But no, this is a question that is, is a serious question, but it's kind of juvenile sounding at first, but it's actually a serious question. (laughs) What? Okay. I am not a gassy person at all. I'm not. I don't, I just don't fart very often. Right. I just don't. Hmm. But when you were explaining the caning, I flash back to a time long, long, long ago <laughs> when there was a woman, it was the first time we were playing, it was at a party, and uh, one of my biggest problems is that I can easily get distracted by com- something completely outside of the scene that takes me out of the scene, whether it's some guy just kind of like standing there like you know just kind of watching the kind of really kind of i have to turn away you know what i'm saying uh-huh. I, but this was a scene and we were playing and it was getting kind of hot but all of a sudden i had to pass gas <laughs> in a cane scene i didn't i suppressed it but it was like a good five minutes where i just had to hold it i had to hold it and it took you out of the moment it took me out of the moment but what it took me out of even moment even more is if I had let it go, been like, sorry, <laughs> for what? You'll have to know in a minute. <laughs> has that has someone ever done that? Have you ever experienced someone? I've done that. You've done that. <laughs> Do you just like act like nothing happened? Well, there it's it's happened in a couple of different ways. I can't come because I need to fart. Oh. <laughs> and I don't want to do that in their face. Or <laughs> so, do you just excuse yourself, or do you fake it? I mean, what do you do? No, no, no. I just, I just say, sweetheart, you need to. I need you to give me a minute. <laughs> and then you leave the room. You go to the bathroom. <laughs> or I just say, or I just, you know, transition into a new phase of the oh, my activity. <laughs> 
happen to fart when I'm coming. Right. But who cares at that point? But if you're caning someone or you're doing something like that and someone passes gas. Now, if you're doing anal play, I understand that's just kind of getting doing. Right, right. If you're caning someone and they, because sometimes if you're, it's so physical, you have no choice. Right. How do you react to that? You're just like, all right, whatever. You're like, light a match. I mean, what do you, <laughs> how do you react to that? Or you just, do you just it act like. It depends on the moment. It depends on what. what have you ever acknowledged it? No, I don't think that, I have. Okay. But I've, but I've watched people playing in a very playful way. And then a fart happens and they giggle together. You know, they giggle with one another. It, it depends on, entirely on the moment, on what the what the style and quality of the play is between the people. Sometimes you don't say anything. Sometimes you giggle together. It depends. Do you like, okay, you're caning, the person breaks wind, and you're like, <laughs> all right, we got to switch to my big flogger to get some air movement going here. <laughs> no, I've never done that. <laughs> Have you? I've never flogged someone. <laughs> well, I- Experienced it from the receiving end. What is your experience? I remember the one time where I thought I was going to, I mean, one, one time when I thought I was going to, it wasn't like a, on a scale of one to 10, it was like a, maybe a three, like I, it might happen, but I wasn't worried because there, like, there was a fan directly on us. So it was going nice. to blow away and there was right. no concern. Right. Do you know Spinal Tap has an album called Break Like the Wind? I don't care. Oh, God damn it. Uh, so now that you've experienced someone who's like really has a serious, like a fetish fetish, is, are there any others that you've fantasized about? Like you really want to be with someone who has a blank fetish? I never fantasized about a crossdresser spandex fetishist. But you really got in. It was a, it was a beautiful thing to experience with a beautiful person. Do you think also it helped the fact that it was not a part of you? Like if someone was like a foot fetish and they were just constantly after your feet or your earlobes or something. Oh, I bet. Do you think you'd be kind of annoyed at at that? Yeah. I might be a bit more guarded. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a little... That was a really good question. I think it was That really was a very good question. Congratulations. I think we've learned a lot in this session. (laughs) We've really grown. (laughs) So if someone is listening to this and they're from your community, even though we haven't said your community... Are you, uh, is there any of this that you're worried that they might hear that you've said? Is there anything that? I've been sort of regretting how judgmental I was in our last podcast. The first one? The very first one we recorded? In the one that we, yes. Over the phone? Yes. That was the last one that was aired. And, and I've, and I've, I've been, I've, I've regretted how judgmental I was in that. And I think I was just really frustrated it had been, you know, almost two years and I wasn't happy with what I had experienced. And at that time, people were very condescending to me, just, you know, were so caught up in the safety and technique and weren't aware of what I had experienced. And I really didn't care to explain myself or justify or, you know, like I'm, I'm, I was very frustrated And so I said some pretty judgmental and some mean things. And, and I, and I regret that. Did anyone hear it and call you out on it? No, no, but I, I, I I can't help but reflect. Mm -hmm. And I really, um, now I have 
a more whole perspective on the FET scene as a whole and are more experience in the FET scene as a whole there. And my opinion has shifted quite a bit. And I think also when you and I talked, I was still feeling quite vulnerable. And I tend to get a bit judgmental when I am vulnerable. It's a defense mechanism. Well, on the flip side, you're very funny when you're judgmental. So it worked out for the podcast. <laughs> for the good of the show. I'm, I am I am sure there is no shortage of more to come. Yeah. <laughs> you're like... How is this? I'll, I'll, I'll just call you up outside of the, you know, like, how, how are things going? And you're like, uh, this, the scene here. I'll be like, hold on a sec. Let me get the microphone. Out. <laughs> and then later I'll call you like, how are things going? Oh, this, I'm so, I, I, the scene here is so wonderful. Do you want to record this? No, no, that's okay. <laughs> just go ahead and tell me. I'm going to put the phone down. I'll come back in about 15 So what minutes. are you saying? You're not going to air this apology? No, no, no. I'm gonna, definitely going to air the apology. Um, you're leaving New York. You're going back to your red state. And uh, Sad and I are really going to miss you. I know. I'm going to miss you guys, too. I hope that you get back and you realize that, uh, you know, it's just better here. It's just better here. And, um, and uh, we both love you. I and love we you can't too. wait for you to come back again. I love you, too. Yes. Thank you, Evermore. She's always great. She's always great. Massacast.com. Uh, you can click on donate and uh, keep the show going for one more year. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>